All right, Modern Babbling Law and Cultural Contrarian, Ryan Miller on part two of this wonderful document that I've uncovered that um, I think is good to be read. So we're going to part two, and I said, who holds blank power? Remember, I'm not going to say that word. We search for the meanings of, quote, republic, democracy, close quote, and, quote, republican form of government, close quote, ended with Black's seventh edition in 1999. Unlike previous editions, Black's seventh doesn't even define, quote, republican government, close quote, but does offer an illumining definition of republic. Noun, a system of government in which the people hold blank power and elect representatives who exercise that power. In contrast, on the one hand, with a pure democracy in which the people or community as an organized whole wield the blank power of government and on the other with the rule of one person, such as a king, emperor, czar, or sultan. Oh, that's a beauty, he says. I'd read that definition several times since 1999 without recognizing the inherent implications. But once I saw the implied meaning, I was electrified. First, note that definition focus on that blank power. Who holds blank power? The answer to that question provides the essential distinction between a republic, a democracy, and a monarchy, and probably all the other forms of government. But what is blank power? It's pretty obvious that the words blank, quote, king, and monarchy are so close, pardon me, so closely associated as to be almost synonymous. Further, in Western civilization, whenever one or more individuals hold this blank power, it's almost certain that this such power flows from God. For example, to be an earthly blank king, one must gain the authority of blankety from God. This is the fundamental, pre fundamental premise for the divine right of kings. And he subquotes that as saying this blank word i.e. God is the source of all divine rights. All other sources of authority are transient and simply based upon raw power, survival of the fittest, and the idea that might makes right. Right meaning blank power. Without a claim of divine origin of right, such blank powers are subject to con constant challenge by anyone who believes his personal power is comparable or superior to that of the existing king. But gilded with the presumption of a divine origin and implied godly approval, blank powers can't be lawfully challenged by any mortal man. Such powers are, by definition, superior to any form of man-made or secular political powers. The idea that blank powers flow directly from God is consistent with the Declaration of Independence, which reads in part, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights or inalienable. Clearly, just as the, quote, divine rights, close quote, of English kings flowed from God or some farcical watery tart wielding swords in some aquatic ceremony, 
sorry, Monty Python reference there, so did our unalienable rights. Further, if all men, including kings, are created equal, then it follows that whatever divine rights were accorded to accorded to the kings by God in 1776 must be equal to whatever unalienable rights were simultaneously granted to all men by God as established in the Declaration of Independence. After all, if all men, kings and commoners, are created equal, their God-given rights must likewise be equal. Ergo, unalienable rights and divine rights should be synonymous. If so, any divine right that was recognized in English law as beginning, belonging to English kings in 1776 should also be included among the bundle of unalienable rights accorded to Americans by the 1776 Declaration. But let me just give you an example of how this is not the case. The erosion of that foundational document has assigned different values that men are not equal. And let me just give you an example. Let's say you premeditatedly see a cockroach on a sidewalk and you step on it. You see an eagle's egg in a nest and you crack it. You have a separate full human at a degree of gestation in the uterus of a woman and you crush it. You kick a homeless person on the side of the road. You kick a law enforcement officer. You kick a Supreme Court judge. You kick your neighbor. You kick the President of the United States. See, all of those lives in God's mind are equal, other than the, the animals that I equated in that. But the humans across that chain are all equal. But our society has created this differentiation of authority for those different humans. And that if you were to assault a homeless person, while it may be a crime indeed, the punishment and justice administered to you hurting that homeless person is different than that you're going to get for hitting a police officer, a, a Supreme Court judge, or the President of the United States. All those men are not created equal because we have assigned them a an authority, and a degree of protection. Pretty crazy. So he continues, government's purpose. The third sentence of the Declaration of Independence reads that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Here we see the primary purpose for our, quote, form of government, close quote, to secure these rights. What rights? Answer, the unalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, mentioned in the Declaration's previous second sentence. Thus, if unalienable, divine, and blank rights are virtually synonymous, then the primary legitimate purpose for our government is to secure our God-given unalienable blank rights. And who, pray tell, is the recipient of the Declaration's blank unalienable rights. Is it we the people in a collective sense, or is it we the people in an individual, in an, in an individual sense? The correct answer is, may be surprising, is individual. God endows me 
with certain unalienable rights. And he endows you with certain unalienable rights. And he endows each of our neighbors with certain unalienable rights. At the moment of creation, each of us as individuals are equally endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. The idea that we are endowed individually rather than collectively with identical sets of blank unalienable rights is further supported by the state constitutions and the Bill of Rights, which make it clear that virtually all of our blank unalienable rights are held as individuals. He continues in the subparagraph, all for none and none for all. Okay, big deal. Hmm. We hold our unalienable rights as individuals. Someone alert the media. Well, actually, it is a big deal because if you recall, the black seventh definition of republic implies that the essential distinction between a monarchy, a republic, and a democracy is determined by who holds the sovereign powers. Republic, noun, a system of government in which the people hold blank power and elect representatives who exercise that power. It contrasts, on the one hand, with a pure democracy in which the people or community as an organized whole wield the sovereign power of government and on the other with the rule of one person such as king, emperor, czar, or sultan. Uh, I erroneously didn't say blank, but maybe you caught the word that I inserted in there. Therefore, what is a republic and by implication a republican form of government? Black's seventh law does not expressly answer that question, but it does provide enough contrasting definitions to allow us to deduce the meaning, the mysterious meaning of republic. First, a monarchy is most easily understood form of government since the blank powers are held exclusively by one individual, the king. He alone has God-given unalienable rights. All others are subjects who have no legal authority or right to resist the king's will. However, distinguishing between a democracy and a republic is more subtle. Black Seventh explains that in both a democracy and a republic, the blank powers are held by the people. Therefore, the first time you read that definition, you may be both confused and reassured. In either case, you see that the people hold the blank powers. Okay, sounds great. We the people, of the people, by the people, for the people. People, people, people. Sounds just like the all-American answer we expect to hear because we've been told all our lives that in this country, the people are blank. Uh Uh-huh. But if you read the phrase defining a democracy again, you'll see that people is qualified by as an organized whole. I believe the qualification is key to understanding a republic. If the people in a democracy hold blank power as an organized whole, they hold that power as a collective. Unlike a monarchy where one individual, the king, holds all blank power, in a democracy the sovereign power is held by the collective, by the group. But in a democracy, no individual holds any blank power. Okay, Black Seventh defines republic as a system of government in which the people hold blank power. So, if a monarchy has one blank individual and a democracy has no blank individuals, then it would seem to follow that in a republic all individuals hold blank power. Do you see the difference between a democracy and a republic? 
In both forms of government, the people hold the blank power. But in the democracy, those powers are held by the people as a collective, while in the republic, those powers are held by the people as individuals. Subparagraph, individually held, God-given, unalienable rights. Thus, a republic is a system of government which recognizes that each person is individually endowed by his creator with certain unalienable rights. I am individually endowed. You are individually endowed. Our neighbors are individually endowed. Why is this individual endowment important? Because it doesn't matter how the majority votes in a republic. They can't arbitrarily deprive a single individual of his blank, unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, unless some of those unalienable rights have been expressly delegated to government through the Constitution. In a republic, the majority can't vote to incarcerate or execute all the Jews, blacks, Japanese, or patriots. Why? Because in a republic, all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And no man or collection of men, not even a massive democratic majority, can arbitrarily deprive any individual, even if he's, and he uses euphemisms here, which I don't want to repeat, but he, he's using um, racial slurs to categorize ethnicity of people in very derogatory terms and free speech, man. But I'm, I'm, I'm just not going to say it's not my DNA or his God-given unalienable rights. Why? Because of the American Republic, every man holds the position of blank, one who enjoys the divine rights of kings. The American Republic is essentially a nation of kings. Thus, as per the Declaration of Independence, a Republican form of government is one which recognizes and secures each individual's blank powers, his individuality held, God-given, unalienable rights. Now let's go to, he has a paragraph called, A Republic's Covenant. In a republic, every individual's unalienable rights cannot be violated or arbitrarily denied by any mortal man or democratic majority, unless that individual first violates his covenant with God. This principle is based on the premise that our unalienable rights are conditional. They are given to each of us by God on condition that we obey the balance of God's laws. Like, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Back to the ten words. If an individual chooses to violate God's law, he breaches his covenant with God and his claim to God's protections, blessings, and endowment of alienable rights is forfeit powerful part of the social contract of Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau, and others. Comes scriptural, man. It's scriptural. For example, if it can be proved in a court of law that a particular individual has broken his covenant with God to not kill, that individual forfeits his own unalienable right to life and may be lawfully executed. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Do unto others as you would have government do unto you. However, in a republic, execution cannot be lawfully imposed on isolated individuals or groups who haven't individually breached their covenant with God. Why? Because that individual has God-given unalienable rights. 
those individually held rights are the basis for his defense. That's the foundation for his presumption of innocence. Why? Because the votes and opinions of all mankind taken together are trivialities when compared to God. If God endows an individual with a particular right, the whole of mankind lacks the whole of mankind lacks sufficient collective authority to arbitrarily revoke or violate that right unless that individual has first breached his covenant with God. Now he goes into a divine endowment. This biblical interpretation may seem like so much holy rolling, but it has great significance in a republican form of government. For example, in a republic, you can only be charged with a crime if you injure the person or property of another sovereign individual. Did you hear that? Let me read that again. For example, in a republic, you can only be charged with a crime if you injure the person or property of another blank individual. So long as you don't injure, rob, or kill another sovereign pardon me, and thereby violate his God-given unalienable rights, there is no crime. In a republic, there are no crimes against the state, the collective, only against God. Likewise, except for certain biblical prohibitions, like working on the Sabbath, there are no victimless crimes in a republic. However, in a democracy, the majority, or the presumed agent, the government, can vote that any act is a crime. Hate speech, for example, even if no individual's life, person, or property is damaged, thus victimless crimes and crimes against the state, which are almost impossible in a true republic, are common under democracy. Why? Because there are no legitimate victims in a democracy. Why? Because in a democracy, no individual has any unalienable rights. With, without rights, you can't be a victim. There's nothing to damage. For example, to shoot a homo sapien with unalienable rights is legally indistinguishable from killing a cow without God-given unalienable rights. There's nothing intrinsic to violate. Fantastic. Sure, the democracy may vote that murder is wrong, at least com when committed against the majority, but that democratic collective can likewise vote that murdering Jews, blacks, homosexuals, patriots, or even specific individuals like Jesus Christ is quite all right. As citizens of a democracy, we each have no more individual rights than cows. Without individually held, God-given rights secured by a Republican form of government, we have no intrinsic value and may be fairly characterized as human resources. In a democracy, we each have no individually held unalienable rights to shield us against the arbitrary will of the majority or their agents, the government. Think not. Ask Vicki Weaver about our unalienable right to life in our fair democracy. The three-letter agency hitman, Lan Haruchi, simply shot her in the head like any other dumb animal. Why? Because a citizen of a democracy where the blank have powers are held by the collective, Vicki Weaver had no individual right to life. Same was true for the Branch Davidians. Same is true for you and me. In a democracy, there are no individually held unalienable rights, so we all are individually defenseless against the majority and or the government. Look at the ranchers and the farmers in Klamath Falls, Oregon. 
They're losing their homes to serve some suckerfish. They're shocked to learn that our government doesn't recognize or secure their unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness or their property. But the truth is that, as citizens of a democracy, those individual ranchers don't have any unalienable rights to their property. The democracy is spoken, if only by its silence. The majority is presumptively ruled, at least they haven't complained loudly, that endangered suckerfish are more important than the suckers who allowed themselves to become citizens of a democracy. The citizens of Klamath Falls are learning that, as a tiny minority in a national democracy, they are defenseless as Jews in the Nazi concentration camp. I'm going to continue this in another broadcast. I'm hoping you're liking this because this is so powerful. This is uh, Culture Contrarian Modern Babylon. Put it in your intellectual pipe and smoke it. This is great stuff.